Monsieur, hello and welcome to the first ever Wayfinders podcast. We are joined in the Zoom room today with Rebecca, Kim, Cassinda, and Belinda, who have been participants of the Wayfinders workshops over the past few weeks. As part of the workshops, we've been looking at dwarfism and humour. And through the conversations that we've had, we have put the question to ourselves in the dwarfism community do we all have the same reaction to other people's reactions to our bodies? And that is the question that we're going to talk about today in the podcast. And now I am going to pass over to Rebecca, who kindly volunteered <coughs> herself to um, chair the podcast. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Steph. Uh, thank you. Um, so as Steph says, the question is, in the dwarfism community, do we all have the same response to other people's reactions to us? And what we discussed is a number of different demographics within the community. So we've got children's responses, adults' responses, responses in public and responses by the medical profession. And we're going to start off with children's responses. And I'm going to say uh, my, my thoughts and opinions are that in general, I find that children are quite innocent. They don't mean to cause offence uh, and they're generally very curious about us being short. One example is I was in a um, supermarket and I was queuing and there's a little girl in front of me with her mum. Um, I was on my own. The girl was with her mum and uh, she said, oh, I bet that lady's really good at hide and seek. And I just looked at the girl and I just smiled and I just said, yeah, yeah, you know, I am quite good at hide and seek. And then she just kind of carried on her everyday life. And it was just a way of just easing her mind that I was just short, but normal. And I believe, Kim, you also have experienced as well. Similar to you, Rebecca, that, you know, children are innocent and curious. They're not doing it to be malicious and where I live, there's a, a local term which is PD, P-E-E-D-I-E, and it's um, a, a local term for small. And the children will quite often sort of say to their parents or whoever's with me, oh, that's a PD lady or that's a small lady. And they just smile and the parents look more embarrassed and upset that the children have, have pointed it out. But the children are just pointing out the obvious that I am short and I just smile at them and say hello or give them a thumbs up or whatever and um, they seem to be quite happy. Does anybody ever stick their tongues out? I've done that a couple of times. I've, I've done it occasionally and I also um, I also find it's, it's nice when the parents are receptive to their curiousness rather than trying to stop them being curious and maybe chastising them for being curious I feel that I would rather them be a little bit curious to understand that when they you know grow grow older that it's it's nothing to be scared of and I, I sometimes I sometimes feel that maybe the parents can potentially make make them a little bit scared of us because we're little so when they get older the children get older and that might have a detrimental effect um so I, I actually don't mind their curiousness as long as they're being you know they're innocent children and it's just a general curiosity. Mm. Well, when, when I was about 10, 12 years ago, actually, there was a kid that shouted, hello, little lady, across the car park at me. And the mum was like, come on, get away, sort of thing. But actually, I said to my husband, well, he was my fiancé at the time, I was like, that's a really good name for a blog. So, you know, 
12 years later, here we all are. So, but yeah, I think, you know, younger kids are great, aren't they? But I think it's the older children that can, can be a bit more problematic. Yeah, that's that's something I find that sometimes when maybe children maybe reach teenage years and, and it becomes less curious and more, I wouldn't say negative, uh, and I wouldn't say malicious, but sometimes it, it borders on the, they kind of should know a little bit better. So yeah, I think in general, children are very curious, but, um, um, you know, and I think that's a good thing for them to be curious. I think that's a positive thing. Um, so the next um, section we're going to move on is to adults. And I believe, Belinda, you have a, a nice um, experience. Yes. I mean, I, we've all got lots of experiences of adults and they vary tremendously, I think, um, from the extremely negative to the... Um, to the one I want to talk about, which is where you, you see adults that are embarrassed by you. They, you're the elephant in the room to them. <laughs> um, and one particular incident was when I was with a friend of mine who's also a wheelchair user. Um, and we used to do a lot of training and stay at hotels. And on this one occasion, you know, we'd arrived at the hotel and after dinner, we went out to get some more stuff from our uh, cars, from the boot. And it was, it was one of those hotels where you have lots of um, sales executives, those sorts of people there. And there were two young men, you know, suited, booted, all, all being sort of right on top go-getters, opposite, in the, coming out of the car. They looked at us and you could see immediately feel them freeze with embarrassment and shuffle suddenly the confidence went and they were shuffling anyway Angie and I are giggling and we're just opening up the car you know getting stuff out and suddenly it was an awful moment because I'd let go of the boot and for Angie and I that is an impossible situation the boot shoots up we're both looking at each other knowing neither of us can shut it and so we giggle of course, we just crease up, which worried the two men opposite. You know, they, they, they really began to look round for our carers to, to sort of make them aware that it was a problem. <laughs> they weren't sure what it was, but, you know, we should, probably shouldn't be out like this, especially at night in a hotel car park, <laughs> somebody's car. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought, we've got to do something about this. So I, I caught sight of them and... I walked towards them, making sure that I cut off their route to the hotel entrance. Um, got across, just in my politest, nicest voice. I'm terribly sorry. Excuse me. I just wonder if you could help us. We have this dreadful problem. We can't <laughs> shut the boot. You can see what's happened. They went from being terrified to the relaxation that appeared in their face. Hey, I was talking properly. <laughs> I actually wanted their help for something they could do something about and it didn't involve touching us <laughs> and also they recognized the problem it was a yeah you know, it was it made sense as a problem to them and it was it wasn't anything awful and they were so pleased to be able to help and it was like the situation just changed from one of acute embarrassment to hey you know, you're normal as such. And you know, the good thing was, 
they went into the hotel and probably told their mates in a very positive way. So whilst it was a humorous situation and we were in a dilemma, and we'd also caught their embarrassment, we've managed, you know, we managed to get our boots shut, which is the main thing, but we also managed to influence these people without actually having to sort of confront them or challenge them. We were able to say, you can help us. And so I think there's, you know, occasionally you get that situation. And also it's about when you're walking towards something that you suddenly know you've got the power, not them. Yeah. And, which is very helpful, I think. Kim, could you tell your story about you getting into the car, asking your mum for the car keys? Oh, yeah, it's... Um... I've grown up in a, a rural community and know a lot of people, but these these two gentlemen were stood and they were looking at me and you could see that they were sort of weighing up my age. Um, and I, I saw them and I thought, I'll have a bit of fun, you know, not embarrass them, but have a bit of fun at, at their expense and just sort of brighten my day a bit. So when I saw them, my mum was walking to the, towards the car and I said to her, Mummy, mummy, can I get the car keys? I would like, I want to drive home. And you could see their ears prick up and they were listening. And I got the keys and I got in the car, gave them a smile and drove off. And you could just see in the rear view mirror, just the gulps on their faces that they still quite weren't, weren't quite sure what they'd actually seen. And it gave me more of a smile that they were more quizzical and it would have made them a bit more you know, thinking, what did I see? And was that an adult, which obviously I was, and it just gave me a bit of a giggle for the day. I think both of those two stories are a good way to show that even adults as well are not necessarily sure how to react. And in both those occasions, on both those occasions, it turned out in a positive way in like, they, they probably thought to themselves, oh, why are we being so daft? These people are just normal people like us. Like, why you know and then and then for now in their future life they would they would probably just see another little person just think oh I remember when I saw the other lady that time and um yeah they're just normal just like everybody else you know and I think it's a good way of of you know kind of um raising the awareness but in a in a positive in a positive way without having to be confrontational in any respect it's like a humorous way isn't it yes yeah, and it's also um, a safe way as well because I think a positive way in which you can do it in which it's a safe space as well because I know that, um, which moves us on to our next uh, topic which is about in public, so responses in public and I think it's important that when we respond we all try and do it in a way that makes us feel safe so in, in the safest way that we feel. So, for example, I was at an... Um, in a train station there was a drunk a drunk person and I was with a friend and this uh, drunk person came over and, and he came to touch me and my friend got really really anxious and, he, and, he, and they wanted to react in a way and I just said oh no just leave it it's okay they're going to touch me they're going to walk away it's fine it's an experience I've had before and in that instance it was the safest way for me and my friend to react without causing a scene or causing controversy and I think that's an important thing that we have to consider is when we when we, we are reacting, we make sure that we are safe in ourselves. Kim, you had a, an experience in McDonald's as well? 
Yeah, I did. It's I, I must say from sort of meeting other people with dwarfism, I'm very fortunate I, and that I've not had a great many negative experiences. I've not had people taking my photographs and and that sort of thing until this occasion a couple of years ago. And I always had considered if somebody would take my photograph, how I would react. And I always thought, you know, I would tell them, you know, absolutely not, you know, that's not acceptable. But I've learned that you have to weigh each experience at the time. You, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And now I wouldn't have done anything different looking back. But I was in McDonald's getting served and I could see a man looking at me. He was sat at the table with his children and he came up to me and he said, you're short like my wife. My, my wife's very short. Um, and, you know, she'll be amazed that I've met somebody else like her. And he was talking away and then he, he, he said, could I shake your hand? So I did, fair enough. And you could see that the, the cashier at the counter was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. So he went mm. back off and he spoke to his children and said to his children that lady's short like mummy. And he was on the phone talking, which I presume was to his wife. And he came back up to me and he said, he said, I'd hope you don't mind, but I would really like to take a picture of me with you for my wife to show her that I've met, I've met you. And I thought about it and you have to weigh things up in a split second. And I sort of took into context that if, he, if he'd been telling a lie, his children would have ratted him out and said, well, mummy isn't small. You know, why are you saying that? He didn't want a picture of me on my own. So I didn't think he was going to pass it round to his mates. And he just seemed to be, I weighed up that it was a genuine call. So I said, fine. So I stood in the picture with him and he went back to the table and everything was fine. And my parents had been watching the whole thing. And they were surprised that it happened because they'd never seen this experience with me before. Um, and that was me in my late 30s, that I'd never had that experience in my life that I know of, that somebody taken my picture. And I know that in sort of the dwarfism community, that is quite unusual to get to that age. But I think it's growing up in a rural community and I'm just part of the furniture around here. But South, you are experiencing different things when I travel. I do have different experiences and I'm more aware of like you've said your safety in situations I've not had any problems like that but that occasion I think that I did the best that I could and somebody else may have experienced that differently and treated differently but that's how I dealt with it. Yes yeah I think that's um, something to consider about um, whether we do spend our energy doing that um, educating people on those occasions and I think Cassinda you you've experienced that yourself about not wanting to necessarily expend too much energy um like for some people like some people want to be no notice that they're talking to someone so a little person so they will try to react to let other people see that they're interacting with the little person but in my some situations that I had before, it's like I just try not to put so much energy into it, like entertain their reaction or their behavior. It's like to me, if it's not happening directly, I don't really um, 
pick it up or entertain it or react to it. I just move along as I go. Mm. So I think it's better for us to keep less reactive to what people think of us. Unless they're into unless they're affecting us directly, like more directly than Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, an important consideration because a lot of people with dwarfism do experience attention on a regular daily basis. And sometimes you do just want to just just go about your own business. You know, you just want to go to the supermarket. You just want and and I don't I don't think it should be expected that we should have to every time um educate somebody we can just you know just go about doing you know doing our everyday life doing our everyday things without feeling that we have to every time we step out the door be a form of education for people and I think um, we also we need to take into consideration our own energy levels and our own mental well-being as well that if on this you know if on a certain occasion that we don't want to do something so we don't want to educate somebody then we don't we don't necessarily have to yeah Steph do you have any any thoughts on on this I think you know like from an activist point of view I'm like we shouldn't have to put up with this we shouldn't have to ignore it we shouldn't you know the responsibility shouldn't be on us to have to deal with the negative attention every single day yeah but I think from the conversations that we've had as a group that we have to be respectful of the fact that all of us can be in any situation. And I've been there myself where you think, I wish I'd reacted a particular way at a particular time. And it's only with experience and age, I think, that if I was, say, in the McDonald's situation, I'd be like, no, I'm having my dinner, go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's being respectful of the fact that I know what it's like being in that situation where you're literally you're brought into an incident, whether it's being stared at, whether it's being photographed, whether it's being, you know, somebody wants to take a photograph to show somebody else who's also all the same. Like, because you're having to manage so many reactions of other people, as well as when yours and ours, our reactions to this situation tend to take a backseat and that's what I get really angry about and I think I think well actually no we our what how we want to react should be the one that's being respected in this situation and that is not always the case whether that is from the person who is bringing us into the situation whether it's how people family members think we should have reacted and friends um and also within the community as well. And I think that's why this conversation is so important because I think it's it's almost giving ourselves the space. It is actually giving ourselves the space to think, well, actually, these are how we react, but how do we actually really want to react? Yeah, yeah. Kim? Yeah, I was thinking on, on these occasions that somebody who's maybe seen never seen somebody of short stature before it is something new to them and they are going to be curious but they don't realize that the occasion with them and experience of them might be the 10th or the 20th of the day for us yeah exactly Mm -hmm. they have to they it just doesn't occur to them that this isn't a new thing or a new experience in life for us it may be for them but that's maybe where this podcast and our experiences and and different aspects of people with dwarfism that 
people with average height can realize that we have all these experiences all of the time and one encounter with us that they have isn't new for us and for those in the dwarfism community to realize that it does happen to everybody else and we do all react in different ways and no way is the wrong way. Absolutely. Yeah, Belinda. Belinda? Yes, I think, I think we have the right to react however we want, in a sense. It, and it's up to us. And we don't owe anybody else anything else. And one of the things, one of the things that irritates me, but I don't always respond to, and since we're talking about humour, is the way people make jokes about us and they'll make comments to us as if we've never heard that comment before. <laughs> and you can, yeah, how many, you are not being funny. You can laugh, but don't expect me to find it funny because I have heard it so many times. And you think, you want to tell them how crass they are and how stupid they must be for thinking this is an original comment. Um, I mean, it, on that subject, there was a recent Twitter a couple of days ago by Jonathan Pye talking about Jack Whitehall, who'd obviously made a comment about dwarfism online. And, did, and he, Jonathan Pye was bemoaning the fact that two people complained, only, only two people, and the BBC had taken action. I didn't hear the comment. I, I don't, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. What was interesting was the thousands of supportive comments he got. They were all making jokes, you know, all those sort of short jokes. And and two two votes from dwarf people only counted as one, mm -hmm. this sort of thing. And I thought, that's what I object to is, you know, get the... Jack Whitehall, I've no idea what he said, and I'm not going to judge that. But these were the sort of crass comments that you hear, you and I hear every day, and they're what creates a stereotype of us that we're lesser people, and that's what that's what really annoys me. But challenging that on an individual basis always seems rather pointless. I think you have to challenge that on another level, mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I always find that people kind of belittle the fact that you know that you're making a complaint. Um, and like you say, they don't necessarily realise that you hear that on a regular daily basis. And over time, that chipping away at people does does have, a, have an effect. Yeah, exactly. And mental health and anxiety and causing social isolation. I mean, to give a bit of context to what Belinda was saying about that incident, uh, Jack with Jack White. It was actually a program that was recorded back in 2009 and the, the BBC upheld the decision that it was wrong. And I think really, I think that situation that Belinda talks about, it just reflects so well about the challenges and the prejudice and the ignorance that our community the dwarfism community faces because if we ever challenge if somebody making fun of us we're seen as bad sports you're being too sensitive you know and it's those little microaggressions and more aggressive stuff that makes our lives incredibly or incredibly difficult for us to interact in and be active parts of society or members of society and you know, it's. I think there has just been so much responsibility on us 
to educate when actually do we think it's actually our responsibility to? People who make con like continuous little comments and then also people, when people with dwarfism complain about these comments being made, people then not um, understanding our point of view and, and belittling the fact that we're complaining. Do you feel, do you feel that that's the same? Cassinda, what do you think? Yeah, like, okay, so as what Belinda mentioned, that some people try to make comments and uh, think that they're being very hilarious. But us now, we already heard those and, you know, it's no longer funny anymore. And other people sometimes want us to react more defensive to others' reaction. But I feel in some circumstances, in some situations, we don't have to, um, like, be head-to-head -head with them. We could just, you know, somewhat just be, like, the bigger one <laughs> um, and react more positive towards them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Come, Belinda. Yeah. Uh, um, the other one, I, the one I find most difficult to deal with, in a way, is the people that have been that are trying to be friendly, that are trying to be nice in a jokey sort of way. Um, and I think we've discussed this before. It's the ones that when you walk into a place, they've possibly seen you before, and maybe haven't even seen you before sometimes. And they'll say, hello, trouble. And it's well-intended, but it's incredibly patronising. It's what you might say to a six-year-old, to be perfectly honest. And I think a lot of us, get that and you just don't know what to do because you don't want to you don't want to say anything with the, then offend him because they don't mean it in a nasty way if you see what I mean I don't know what others feel about that yeah I think it um I think we've, we've discussed before about the spectrum of prejudice and I think that's that fits in there because I mean you've got the ideal where nobody to me my my thoughts you've got the idea where nobody says anything but Obviously, we don't live in an ideal world. But then I think you've got the 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 um the really um lesser form of prejudice, whereby people just you know like a few quick stares, a few quick observations that you that you short, but they don't necessarily act on that. And then that goes all the way to the um the more aggressive forms, where which can lead to violence. Um, and we've all heard many different stories of of violent forms of aggression towards towards little people. Um, but then I think you've also got a wide spectrum in the middle where people, there's like a sense of over-familiarity with us and that they they feel that they can make these jokes because, because they've noticed that we're different and that we're up with short, but they don't know how to react to it themselves. So they then themselves resort to humour. And I know that we discussed about the different forms of humour and that that kind of form is it's the um, observing that your body's different and that you're a less of a person and that you're you're a child, you're childlike. And I think like like Linda says, it's some saying hello trouble, it is something that you would say to a six-year-old. And it's I do agree, it's the sense that people think, oh, this is the first time they've heard this joke, we'll make this joke, even though it's not 
it's not that funny. It wasn't the funny first time, and it ain't funny the hundredth time you've heard it, you know. But this person, they're saying it for the first time, and it's also difficult how to respond to that. I myself, I generally just smile, and in my head, I'm thinking something else. But then I just smile and I just leave it because it's just it's just easier that way. And I don't, and I also then as well, I. I don't want to come across aggressive myself or that I'm being rude because they were just in their head being polite. And I think that's a difficult one I, I struggle with um, when people like make comments like that. Do I say anything, like I say, that could seem like, oh, well, that person was rude. I was only being polite. I was only having a laugh. But yet they don't realise that I've heard that many, many a times. Linda? Um, one of the things I think that that leads to is they can be like that. They can be well-meaning. They can be nice. But if you walked in there wanting to get a job, how would they regard you? Because they, they've talked to you like that, so you're not really exactly a valid person in their view. You're not, not necessarily suitable to actually be employed by them. They can talk down to you in the nicest, kindest, well-meaning way, but to actually respect you as a colleague is not in their sort of comprehension, I think. Yeah. Steph? Uh, I think that's true, you know, because if people are being kind, but actually it's quite, it's like a microaggression because they're not actually being nice, they're being patronising, and they're actually doing that in order to fulfil their own agenda and their own and reflecting their own prejudice and ignorance. And it gives you no voice or platform to come back from. So how do you deal with that in an assertive way where you don't come off looking as if you're being angry or aggressive, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I struggle with that because I, I think um, we mentioned it before that sometimes when, when people say things like that to me, I, I don't necessarily think that they're being negative, that they're being prejudiced, because I don't necessarily see that that's what everybody's doing who says something. I just sometimes feel that they don't know what to do, or they don't know what to say, and that's just literally the first thing that comes out because they just don't know how to respond. I know that, Kim, you said before that you... you don't necessarily see things that people do as a negative you see them as quite because where, where you live it's more isolated that you've never necessarily experienced too much negativity so that you don't feel that comments that are made are in a negative fashion yeah I, I when I hear the stories of abuse and negativity that a lot of people with dwarfism get it's horrific and mm. it's awful and I can relate to a certain level but because I've not experienced it myself, apart from that occasion with the photograph, which to me wasn't a negative, it was just one of those things. But I think my personality is that I don't look for the negative and prejudicial in everybody. I just, sometimes if it's a passing comment, I let it pass. You know, it just doesn't enter my head and I get on with my day. Other times if, you know, somebody I can see is looking or I can hear, you know, oh, you know, she's small. Then I'll turn around, you know, maybe a, a snarky comment or, you know, maybe I'll give them a smile and, you know, carry on with my day. There are times I do re react, but it's usually with humour or 
you know, a little bit of sarcasm, you know, pointing out that, you know, I didn't realise I was small, you know, thanks for informing me of that, you know, this day, you are the only one who, who has informed me of that, um, you know, and things like that, that you, there are times when you do feel that you need to say something, but usually I just get on. What, what would people, what would you guys say though to, say if it was happening on a daily basis, so like for yourself Kim, it's more sporadic, for instance, like your experience is a bit more sporadic. But we'll have members from the community who are experiencing this day in, day out, right? And I think no matter, you know, even if you think you've got the most resilient of personalities, it's going to, it's going to wear down at, at some point. Do you know what I mean? And I think it does actually build up into... It can build up into bigger problems in terms of mental health, anxiety, stress, depression. And I think that's quite what, you know, and in worst case scenario, suicide. Now, as a community, how do we respond to that collectively and individually? Kim? I think there needs to be more awareness raised of the mental health of people in this community because I don't think the average height people see how the impact is. They think, oh, you know, I maybe looked or I maybe did one, you know, one comment, but they don't realise that, as you said, Steph, that it accumulates and it builds up and it wears down. And a lot of people in this community have health problems, have daily pain, have a lot of other problems to you know to deal with or they have a busy family life they have a busy career that you know things do build up and I think that support to raise awareness to show that we do take these on board and we do realize and we hurt for each other you know like when I hear about these experiences I feel terrible and I feel really angry and upset on behalf of other people that go through this but I also want to know how to support people within that are like me that are going through this. What about Cassandra, Belinda? What do you think about that question? Um, I think in terms of what we can do as a community, I mean, it's talking at people at a higher level, more influential people who can then influence others. It's like going into schools. It's about challenging things that are in the media because... We've just got to keep doing that because those are the things that influence masses of people because it's, it's really, really worth spending energy on individuals, say, in the street. And I think, I think whereas in the workplace, we need to challenge it because that has, does have a long-term impact. And I think as a community, we need to support each other to build up our resilience to these situations and to not make ourselves feel guilty. I mean, it's that going back to that idea that Bex was talking about, we're not responsible for their learning. And that's that's a key thing. It is not our fault. I think, is that not like a contradiction in terms though? Because we're saying that, you know, we should go out to schools, we should be in the work, challenging in the workplace. But then we're saying it's not our responsibility, so. Well, I think, I think in a way, I mean, that's for, if certain people want to take on that responsibility of doing the education. So, for example, us 
five here are doing this um, podcast to hopefully help raise awareness not only in our community but also in the Ifravi type people and it's kind of we're taking on that responsibility whereas I think it's the difference between people choosing to do that volunteering to do that and people doing it in their everyday lives but I think like Belinda said I think if we went to the grassroots so like the schools and things but but people who want to go to schools I don't you know if people choose to do a presentation at a school to raise awareness then that will then have a you know a snowball effect into future where the people who will live in everyday life won't necessarily have to do it as much yeah and I think as well to add to that it's like you don't necessarily have to take on an educating role like no. like my role is quite activist based so like I've created these workshops to provide a space for us to talk freely about stuff so it's like owning our own space as well yes I think that's like I mean I said to you earlier you know I'm not one for going to passing myself to parliament or anything like that but I'm happy to do things behind behind the scenes um on a more quieter level which will hopefully have that impact whereas some people are you know more than happy to go and shouting on parliament and do you know what I mean and, and I think that's the um, people have their own their own um uh what's it called their own uh, opinion or way of doing things people have their own skills people have their own skills and um you know it's important to encourage those people with those skills who want to do that to to do that Belinda yeah I mean I would totally agree with that because I think you know in terms of when you look at other moots let's call them movements in terms of rights and promoting um, against stereotypes and prejudice. It takes more than just one way of doing it to really make change. And you, and you need your protesters, you need your, edu- you need your people doing sort of local education, you need national campaigning, you need your letter writers, you need people who put articles in newspapers. And you need people that lead by good practice and actually pick up, a, you know, we see people that are small, um, fiction a book who's campaigning, but I mean, her thing is fashion and she took on the fashion industry. And from that position, she's been able to be more uh, widely influential. Uh, also, I mean, Warwick, um, famous actor in lots of films, he does positive promotion because he's in a position to be able to do that. I think everybody has a valid part to play if they want to. And none of them, none of them are wrong. None of them are exclusively right. You need, you need everybody to do it in their way, I think. Yeah, I think as well, um, like I said, people have their own skills. Because like you said, Warwick's got his... his- you know, he can do it from an acting point of view and he's got his voice and then Sinead does the fashion side of things. And I know that Nicola, one of our fellow Wayfinders, does her genetics um, podcast. So, I mean, and like Steph, yourself, you're doing it in this way to put out some information in this way. And so I think everybody's got their own skills and abilities. And so collaboratively, that's what helps us uh, raise the awareness. Cassinda, do you have any? Yeah, in regards of, you know, us feeling awareness, I, in my opinion, I think us as the dwarfism community could be, we'll be very more stronger if we 
um, you know, communicate more with each other, um, be more a little bit open and open, give advice on how you would actually deal with a situation or um, just empower each other. Um, I think that's the way of us to be, you know, stronger as a community. Also, um, as we mentioned before, we don't want to be the one that's taking on the education responsibility for others. But in some sense, it's like you have to um, inform them, you know, let them know, like, you know, I don't appreciate that. Um, you know, I don't think that is the way to go about it so that they can know how to react to others when they actually see another little person. Definitely. Okay, so I think if we um, come to a close, um, and if I'm going to go around and ask everybody if you could give one piece of advice to others in the Dwarsing community about reacting, what would it be? And if I come to Kim first. Um, I think that you have to judge each experience at the time and don't feel that your decision was wrong. Don't feel that you should be judged by anyone, whether it's in the dwarfism community or not, about how you choose to react. Because everybody's personality is different. Everybody's experience on a bigger level is different about how often these occasions and incidents happen to them personally. And one person, we can't sort of wage war with one person that makes a comment on behalf of the whole of the dwarfism community. Don't let them have it both barrels just for everybody. But I think that we also can learn from each other how each other ha has coped and reacted and the strategies that they use to cope with their mental health and getting support that way that we can maybe learn and share our experiences on how to cope. Excellent. Cassinda? Your thoughts? So basically, um, I think I answered the question previously. Um, so it's like similar to what Kim mentioned, you know, we could learn from each other. And as she mentioned before, like each one of us experience in a is different in the content, but you know, similar in a diff similar I think it like some okay, we some of us have like similar situations but in a different content then um if I'm making sense um but yeah she said you know we should um or tight night with the other community and interact more and communicate okay brilliant thank you and um, Belinda well I'd agree with what everybody said so far um I think it is about building up your resilience you're you're not responsible for other people's learning just do what you feel is right. It may not always be the best thing when you think about it afterwards, but that doesn't matter. You'll get another opportunity probably. And you know, to also think about the value of this. Is challenging them going to be worth it? Is this going to is this person's comment behavior going to impact me long term? How often you know, am I going to, is this happening on a regular basis from one person? Because that's when you ought to, you, you would be strongly advised to challenge it just for your own survival. Because the important thing is don't let people grind you down. You know, when it starts doing that, that's the time to really try and do something, which might be contacting other people, people you know, people who will support you. Um, 
and to build up your resilience to actually say, no, you're, it's okay to feel like this. We all do this at times. I mean, there is a lot in the dwarfism community of support. Go out and find that if you need it, I would say. Steph? Yep, um, I think be okay with saying no. If you're ever brought into a situation or a, a, an incident that you're not happy with or it makes you upset or angry, it's okay to say no and walk away. And at the same time, not to beat yourself up if you don't, in order to keep yourself safe. And I think as well, it's that good stuff, good things can actually come out of horrible experiences because, and at the time they can be devastating, but it's usually from that experience that you can make better things happen, not just for yourself, but for the wider community as well. Rebecca? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with, I think, everything that everybody else has said. So, yeah, don't, don't judge other people for how they reacted because I think it's important to understand that people react in a situation how they feel best, how they feel safe. And there's, you know, there's not really much point, I don't think, in wishing that you'd done this or wishing that you'd done that, but maybe take that forward for the next time if you feel that the opportunity is there to um, say something but if you don't it's really not a problem and also I think um, Belinda mentioned it that the communities there that do experience this on a on a regular basis and for people to know that they're not the only ones and that if if they feel that they need to speak to somebody then there's a, there's a wide community out there um, for people to get in touch with to speak to you know and Although there's no manual on, on how to do things, there's no manual on, on life in general. We, we're all, there's other people here for guidance and experience who can help you um, should, should you need it. Wonderful. That's been a fantastic conversation. But I just want to say to you all, thank you ever so much for being involved with this. I feel like it is, we are wayfinding our way forward in moving the conversations in the dwarfism community forward for us.